Two Broke Chicks is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional custodians of our land. Always was, always will be. Hey Chicks, I'm Sal. And I'm Al. And this is Two Broke Chicks, the show that shares life lessons because we're broke in funds but rich in life. And today we're joined by our new bestie, Brittany Saunders. (laughs) What do we mean new? We've been friends for years. Sorry, we were saying off air. It's the first day that we've met, but we feel like we've all been in love for years. Yeah, back to the sandbox, guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we went to preschool together, (laughs) primary, high school. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How fun was the formal? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. So good. So drunk. on the roof and it got stuck. Yeah. (laughs) Still there. I miss wedding toilet paper and throwing it on the roof of the toilets. (laughs) Did you ever do that? God, no, never. You so did. I didn't. Oh, we would throw food at the fan, like when the teacher wasn't looking. I was going to say. You were naughty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was a klepto in kindy and I didn't realise that, like, lost property was other people's stuff. Oh. It wasn't just like a free-for-all. Yeah, so whenever they were like... Who's is this? Who's is this? I was like, me. <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. I was like four, by yeah. the way. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Take and then what you can mom get. was like, where's this? And I was like, the prize is at school. And then she was like, okay. She went to a parent teacher. And then they were like, and mum was like, yeah, Alex keeps getting prizes. She must be doing well. And they're like, what prizes? Oh my the God. Kids lost and then they were like, She's got these things. And then mum and my teacher were like, oh, my God, she's stealing the lost property. <laughs> I, st- I had no idea. And then I had to come back to school with all these things and hand them back in and oh. it was so embarrassing. <laughs> Mortifying. One of them was a horse. One of them was a pick hairbrush. Anyway. Some things never change, so I was, you know. So I was accidentally naughty. Mm. Now I just do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Not stealing. Being naughty. Yeah. <laughs> and stealing. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah, we've got our old school primary school chum, Brittany, (laughs) on the show because we're going to be talking about how to start a small business Mm -hmm. and make a profit. Make it a big business. Mm -hmm. Yes. From small business to big business, honey. Because if anybody's unaware and doesn't have an internet connection, Brittany is the CEO (laughs) of Fate the Label, also co-host of the High Scrollers podcast. And you've been a content creator for forever. Yes, over a decade. I always say if there was such thing as long service leave for content (laughs) creation, I would be taking my long service leave right now, let me tell you. I've had enough. No, but I love it. That should be a thing. Instagram, YouTube. for influencers. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Try being an influencer for a day. day. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what that Michaela girl said one yeah. time? Wow. She was like, it's five o'clock. <laughs> I'm clocking off. I'm still working. I don't doubt that she works very hard. But Same, but yeah. I just love the sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's had some good sounds. She has. Yeah. My favourite one was a Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yes, that, <laughs> that was, was amazing. Yeah. Before we get into the juicy stuff, we like to start our episodes with a life lesson of the week. Mm -hmm. So as our guest of honour, what have you got for us, Britt? I was thinking about this. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of life lessons of the week, but I thought I'm going to share with you my life lesson that it was just this saying that I heard one time and it's just stuck with me ever since. And I I live my life by this. I run my business by this, but also in my day-to-day life. Mm. Okay, this is the saying. Brace yourselves. (sighs) Get ready to remember this forever and use it at any point in your life. Hard conversations, easy life. Easy conversations, hard life. 
Oh, that's I a love good one. That. And anytime I'm ever going to do something that's going to be hard, like no one loves, I mean, some people probably do, but no one loves having a hard conversation with someone, mm. especially if you're a business owner and you've got to have a hard conversation with an employee, but it could even go into your personal life. If you've got to have a hard conversation with your partner, if you've got to have a hard conversation with your friend, if you've got to say to someone, hey, like you said this and it really upset me and you're mm. always nervous to have that hard conversation, you've just got to remember if you have that hard conversation, your life is going to be so much easier. Whereas if you tiptoe around life, avoid conflict, avoid those hard conversations, your life is going to be hard. Mm. So next time, I don't know, you got to tell someone that you hate them. Just remember <laughs> that. It's true though. It's like you start putting like resentment into like an interest account. Mm-hmm. That it, like, it might be like a tiny little thing, but it just keeps like piling up and then or like the thing that's annoying you is just going to keep on happening. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just got to have the hard conversation. Your life will be so much easier. I love that. And Do attack- you have any like tips on how to approach it? Like when you, you're like, all right, we got to have the combo. Like yeah, what's the strategy? I, I find people are more open to receiving constructive criticism and feedback like better than you think they are. Mm. Like a lot of the time you'll be like, oh, shit, I don't know how this person's going to react. But you'll be surprised most of the time if you approach that hard conversation just being a normal human. Like mm. nothing has to be so strict and like Mm. you did this and here's what's wrong like just sitting down and having a human conversation with someone meeting them at their level like you'll always find it's not as hard or as scary as you thought like when Mm. you're going into it you're like fuck like this that and the other but yeah like just approaching people from a human level and just be like hey like this has happened let's have a chat about it and see how we can fix it together or work on it to improve I like that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the delivery and the tone is crucial. Oh, 100%. Mm, and, yeah. like, some people, especially in work situations, might have, like, a horrible boss that, yeah. like, comes at them with aggression and it's yeah. like, you're in trouble and you've done this. But, like, the whole way that I run my business is by literally just being a human mm. and, like, I am fully aware of the fact that I'm nothing without my team. Like, you know, like, my business is nothing without them. So, of course, yeah. I'm never going to go to them and be like, hey, you fucked up. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. We've never sworn ever. <laughs> Just kidding. We I drop the C word like every three episodes. <laughs> do you? I'm like, do you know what? It's been a while. Let's chuck it in oh there. Oh, my God. That's and the one Mark- word I don't use on social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. I, I think mean, I yeah, try shit. to cut it out sometimes and then sometimes it slips in there. But, yeah, you can swear. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a free for all. Thank <laughs> fuck for that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's your life lesson, Al? Okay. My life lesson is don't worry about something until it's worth worrying about. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I'm good at this. Like sometimes I can like compartmentalise a situation and be like, all right, it's fine. We'll fix it when we get there or whatever happens. And then sometimes I'm like, let's pull the fire alarm. Let's start crying mm. and let's have a full mental breakdown before the bad things even happen. <laughs> yeah. And so the backstory to this is last week, you already know this one, Sal. But I tell you, Brittany. Okay. <laughs> um, last week, my partner and I were sitting on the couch and we were just watching a TV show. And my cat was like chilling next to us. And she's like this little runt rescue. We love her. She's only like a year old, less than. And we we're looking at her and I was like, Binks looks really round. And I was like, like, more round than normal. And, like, I've seen Marley and me and my dogs had, like, bloating, so I, like, get really scared of it. Because mm-hmm. her belly was so round, I picked her up and I was, like, pressing it and it was, like, a bit firm and I was like, she's going to die. 
cry. I was like, oh my God. So I like just like eight o'clock the next morning, it's like 8 30. I booked her in for the bed. I was like, you need to work from home. We have to take her to the bed tomorrow morning. I was like, freaking out. I'm like crying. Being like, yeah. if anything happens to this cat, it's over. It's done. <laughs> like, I'm I can't done. Go on. I was like, this is my child. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we take her to the vet at like 8.30 in the morning. We had to like restructure our entire mornings for this. And the vet was amazing. One, he was also very cute. Two, it's <laughs> always important. Yeah. He yeah. like did the most thorough check of her. I was so happy because I hate feeling like a helicopter parent, even though I am. I was like, please just give me You're like, sanity. just humor me, duck. <laughs> yeah. And then we paid $100 for him to tell us that our cat is fat. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So she's supposed to weigh around like 3.5 to 4 kilos. She's 5.5 kilos. And I was like, damn, girl. <laughs> she needs to go on a diet. I was yeah. like, but then well I was done. like, I'm body shaming my cat. Oh I was like, God. who am I to say what she can and cut? He was like, you need to put her on a diet. And I was like, okay. That's what AJ <laughs> says about one of our dogs. One of our dogs is he's a bigger one and he gains weight really easy. And I always say to AJ, I can tell that Sneaky's gaining weight. <laughs> and he's like, he's just building his winter coat like, <laughs> even if it's in the middle of summer he's like it's his winter coat he's getting ready that. for winter yeah. so you can use that as well yeah yeah and yeah, he was like one. yeah she's got a little fat pouch on her lower tummy and i was like you and me both baby i was <laughs> like it's normal. Like daughter. it's normal it's normal and then like, normal was, bodies thank you even with cats and, best yeah. life, please. <laughs> and i was like to here okay i'll stop but yeah and i just had like for a good 12 hours, I was just riddled with anxiety before mm. we even took her, which, like, it's a he- like it's healthy to worry about the things that you love. True. But the amount that I was stressed yeah. about this was just ridiculous until something was even bad. Mm. Like, so it's like when something's worth worrying about, if he was like, yep, this has happened, we need to fix this, then I'm allowed to worry, carry on like a Bathsheba and, <laughs> like, have a moment. But yep. before then I was like... Okay, one of us needs to chill and it's not the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think one of the chicks sent in like an advice the other week and it was like um, anxiety doesn't change the outcome. So like the amount that you stress over something isn't actually going to impact mm. the outcome either way. So anything that you can do to control or reduce that anxiety or stress is a good thing. Mm. All right, mine's She's been phone. getting workouts too daily now. Nice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In the ad breaks, whenever we're watching Love Island, I'm like, and let's go, Binks. And we're like doing like <laughs> a run around. Sprint. I'm like, this is good for me too. Yeah. Get, get my steps in. Yeah, exactly. I hope you've got your Apple Watch on, girl. Close them rings. <laughs> All right. It wasn't supposed to sound weird. It always sounds weird. But it weird. always does. It anyway. always sounds sexual when you're like, have you closed your rings? It's like, <laughs> yeah. like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about here? All right. My life lesson of the week is no matter what time of the day it is, it's never too late to turn it around. So if you're having a shit day, this isn't like toxic positivity, but there's always something that you can do to make yourself feel a little bit better. I think sometimes you'll have like a really shit day and then you're like, oh, well, that's it. Like mm. just write this day off, throw it in the bin, like set it on fire. It's going to be shit. <laughs> but there's always something you can do, even if you're about to go to bed and it's literally just like, I'm going to watch an episode of like my favorite TV show that requires zero brain cells mm. or reread a chapter of my favorite book or order like Messina off Uber Eats. <sighs> I know, that's my go-to. But, you know, like there's always something that you can do to be like, no, that was a highlight of the day and turn it around a little bit. Like there's always going to be shit days, but don't like completely write it off, Mm. you know. That's a good one. All right, well, now that we've got our life lessons out of the way, let's get into the episode. I like all those. I know, they're all wholesome. Yeah, look at us go. Everyone's going to be feeling amazing after this. (laughs) 
So to start us off, we're going to start from the very beginning. Can you give us a quick history of Fate Mm -hmm. and when you started it and what was the original vision for the brand? I get asked this question all the time. And what's interesting is Fate didn't start as this big grand idea. It didn't start with a vision of what it is today. And I feel like a lot of people go into business and, of course, like now if I was to start a business, I'd have a big plan and whatever. Um, But starting Fate was just another one of those ideas that was a good idea at the time. So what a lot of people don't know is fate wasn't my first stab at business. I've been trying things since I was a teenager. Um, like my earliest memories of, um, obviously I started making my YouTube videos when I was in high school. So I feel like that was my first like entrepreneurial thing that I did. I was like, all right, I'm going to make these YouTube videos. And for those of you who don't know, I started making YouTube videos in high school and I amassed that to over a million followers, like in my early days. And while I was doing that, I tried so many things. So I set up a um, spray tanning business underneath my house in a dusty brick room. (laughs) And I went to the local beauty supply store, got the pink tent, got the pink machine, put a little table in there, got all the accessories. Gorgeous. And I thought, I've got a Facebook account with a few hundred friends from Newcastle, which is where I'm from. I can get them to come and I can use my Facebook and my social media to make a business. 15 bucks, come and get your spray tan, girls. And I had a little business happening underneath my house. Definitely should have been charging more than 15 bucks. You, <laughs> you live and you learn. I did lots of other things as well. Um, I decorated phone cases at one stage there, like bought plain phone cases off eBay and then went to Spotlight, bought heaps of decorations, made them all cute. I didn't sell a single one. Um, but it was the thought and the the mm-hmm. effort that counted. And, again, using my Facebook to be like, buy my phone cases. Like this is before I knew how to make a website or anything. Yeah. yeah. And then I did lots of other little things as well. I was always from a young age that person that I would take any opportunity that would come my way. Like if it was through a friend of a friend, I remember my friend's friend owned this like vintage store in Newcastle like years ago. I was probably still a teenager And she said, do you want to come and um, do the visual merchandising in the window? I was like, of course. Like I had no idea how to (laughs) visual merchandise. Like, but I I can put clothes uh, on a mannequin. Exactly. Take a crack at it. Anything that came my way, I would always do it. Yeah. And then another friend of a friend owned a hair salon and they needed someone to run their social media. And this was back when, like, it was only photos on Instagram. Yeah. And it was when, like, it was when, like, (laughs) hair salons would share inspo pics from, like, Pinterest of other people's work as just like when it was like all aesthetic and stuff. So then I was like running her social media. Um, And then when I was making my YouTube videos, I had another little business, like I was in a partnership and we had this skincare body scrub brand called um, NKD, Naked, Mm -hmm. and we made like coffee scrub. It was like in the Frank Bod days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we did a hair mask, we did a clay mask and it was all getting made here in Australia and so we were shipping those out. Um, so when it came to fate, obviously I was at the peak of my YouTube but starting my own clothing brand was really just me being random the way that I was throughout <laughs> all those years. It wasn't this I'm going to do all these amazing things, we're going to have all these sizes, we're going to open stores. It, it wasn't that thought mm. at that time. I was in my early 20s. I was making the YouTube videos and I thought, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Like I'm going to do it. I think I always had that like inkling to want to do something of my own. I just never really knew what it was. And when I started Fate, I was so young that 
I couldn't even think six months into the future, let alone project what a business's success is going to look like. Obviously, I've learned a lot since then, but it really was just me doing one of those random things that I always had done for many years. I had no idea that it would turn into what it is today. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I... In a way, I wish I had like some grand story to be like, I set out to change the fashion <laughs> landscape. But the the truth of it is, is that I didn't. I don't think that that's necessarily super relatable though. Like to mm. be like, this is, and you know, some people might have that, like that whole plan that's a like dream. five yeah. years yeah. in advance. But I do think for, you know, Sal and I and a lot of people listening to this, that it does start with that really small thing of, okay, this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm just going to wing it. I yeah. remember saying to AJ, all right, come on, we're going to Bunnings to get some plastic tubs because that's what I'm going to put the stock in. Yeah, yeah. Like and we had like, this double, almost triple garage underneath our townhouse rental at the time. I was like, AJ, you're losing your car spot because I'm setting it up here. <laughs> you're going to have to park on the street. Sorry. We went down to Bunnings. I remember going, how many tubs are we going to need? And then we got like 11 or something really random and like lined it up on the ground got a table from Officeworks, got a printer, brought down a stool from my kitchen, set it up there yeah. and, like, that was it. That was and that's it. I never at the beginning thought beyond that. Like, mm. that was what I was doing. I couldn't predict into the future and that's all I thought it was, like, just working in the garage. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, the beginning of fate. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's so incredible to see, like where it's grown to oh, now. who would have thought? Because I certainly wouldn't have. Like, <laughs> so, like, amazing. But for the wee babbies who do want to start their own business, what are the physical steps you need to go through to set up a trading business like, you know, ABNs, legal, trademarking? Mm-hmm. So by this point I had gotten an accountant because I was obviously doing my influencing. So mm-hmm. when I started my influencing journey and I started earning a good amount of money, I had no idea when it came to tax And I actually, I didn't get myself in a bit of trouble, but for like two years there, I didn't pay tax because I didn't know how. And I just thought, Mm. oh, I'll just leave it. Like no one's going (laughs) to come after me or whatever. And no one tells you what to do. No, like I went from getting my pay slips every week off, like from my full-time jobs to like just having all this money coming in my account from being an influencer. Sorry. Um, So then at one point there in my early 20s, like I owed the ATO like 100 grand and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because I hadn't paid tax for like two years. So then I got an accountant and then he helped me with that. I paid it all off. Um, And then so by the time I started Fate, like I had my accountant. So I was like, hey, like I need to register this business and everything. So it's really quite simple and you can do it yourself if you just go through the government website. Like make sure you don't go through any of these like third-party websites. Like when mm. if you go into Google and type like make an ABN in Australia, there'll be like the official ATO website, like the government websites, and then there'll be all these third parties yeah. that will charge you 500 bucks extra. Yeah. Um, so make sure you go through the proper one. But it's as simple as, um, you know, doing a bit of research, making sure there's no other brands out there with the same name, um, like checking the ABN registry and also like on IP Australia for people that have trademarked actual words and business names. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me it was, hey, accountant, I want to set up a company called this. So getting that ABN registered. Uh, And there's lots of other little things, I guess, like setting up a bank account and then like the whole online store side of things, you know, you're going to be having an online store, setting up a Shopify, getting a PayPal, getting an afterpay, like Mm. all those 
things that you need for your business, setting up an Australia post account. I remember Googling how to ship parcels oh, in Australia. Oh, my God. Yeah. And shipping getting parcels. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're in the middle of that right yeah. now. Well, that was a learning experience. <laughs> my post business account. Yeah. Or if you think you're going to be a bigger brand, you can go an e-parcel account. Australia post is definitely the best out there, although I have heard just from our male people recently that uh, I don't know who else it is at the moment, but I don't know if it's DHL or someone, but someone's coming after Australia Post. Ooh. Like someone's trying to become competitive because yeah. Australia Post is like the number one in they Australia. Own, they own the monopoly ground of like yes. posting yeah. Australia. But I think a few other of them, I don't know if it's like Fastway Couriers or whatever, mm. but I don't know, apparently it's getting competitive. Good. That means prices will probably be yes. better. So, yeah, yeah Australia so. Post isn't the cheapest, but they're, they're the best for yeah. your business. Mm. So it's just setting up all those little things, building your website. I use Shopify for fate. It's like the number one website platform for e-commerce businesses. And figuring out the rest as you go, really. Mm. Yeah. Just Googling everything. I do think an accountant, like, is... A really good investment. Oh, me too. And it's not like before I got an account, I was like, oh, no, that's going to cost thousands every time I call them. But it's not. I mean, I think it depends on who the accountant is. But they might just charge you per quarter or per job that they do. And it's like back then I remember it was like, Here's your invoice. It's three hundred dollars, or like here's your invoice. It's five hundred dollars. And you have the security of knowing that it's done right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I, it's good to learn things as you go, and it's definitely good to like familiarize yourself with the process. Yeah, but having the security of the knowledge, being like, okay, I know that that was just done. Yes. Oh yeah. Because you don't have to be an expert at everything. I think that's like one of the biggest lessons we've learned is like. Let people be the expert 100%. that they are in. The other site that I saw that was really cool when you are setting up a business, which I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I will put it in the show notes. It's this site that you put in the name that you want to name your business and it checks all the social media platforms to see oh. if that is like a taken handle. Yeah, checking that as well, yeah. like seeing if you can get the handle you want, which is pretty rare. Yeah. But then, you know, you might have to put an underscore or put brand or something. Yeah, yeah. Like dot co. Yes. yes. Every influence brand, including us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, it's done. Okay, amazing. Mm. Okay, so now we've got all of those steps out of the way. <laughs> How much money do people need to save to start? their own business and was there a figure that you had when you were starting Fate? Great question. Really hard question to answer because mm. it really depends on what you're doing mm. yeah. and it depends on the scale that you're doing it at as well. Starting a business in Australia, let's say you want to make scrunchies at home, that's going to obviously cost a whole lot less than doing a clothing brand, for example. Like if you're doing something handmade that you can do at home, like what do you need to pay for? You're obviously just going to need to pay for the fabrics and materials Mm -hmm. and then work out the shipping costs and everything like that. Um, Whereas if you're doing a clothing brand, for example, like it's going to cost more because if you're working with manufacturers, they've probably got a minimum order quantity that you're going to need to buy. Um, So really it depends on what kind of business you're doing, how much it's going to cost to start. I could very well say... You could start a business from home doing something quite small and maybe you're hand making it yourself like art or whatever it may be. You could start that for a thousand bucks at home. Mm -hmm. Um, But then if you're opening a cafe, like you're looking at a whole lot more money. So it's really hard for me to say like how much it costs to start a business. Mm. And I actually saw a business owner the other day. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but I saw a <laughs> Dragon. <video>. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. I saw, I saw a business owner who I enjoy following, but she made us a, a TikTok and it was 
saying something about how you can start a business for under a thousand bucks or whatever but like Mm. I don't think that's realistic like I saw the same one yeah you know like and sure you could like and some people absolutely have but like yeah how much stuff costs these days you're looking at more than a thousand dollars but I I can't specifically say how much like your business could cost you five grand to start up it could cost 10 grand if you're building a store in a shopping center or whatever like you could be looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars um for me with fate I started by using the money that I'd saved from being an influencer for all those years. Once I paid off my tax, <laughs> I um, had a decent amount of money in the bank. That's another thing I didn't do back then. I never tracked what I was spending. So when I was starting Fate, um, it was just like, oh, yep, I'll spend five grand on shipping bags and 15 grand on stock and 400 bucks on um, Bunnings tubs. I never tracked any of yeah. that, um, mm-hmm. which would be another piece of advice is like track what you're spending so you can see how much you're actually spending. But I think with fate to begin with, it would have been like close to 50 grand for me to start. Um, but in saying that, I had that audience online, which mm-hmm. was a um, difference that I had that a lot of others wouldn't. I knew I already had customers there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't start off. I started off obviously super small, but not as small as others probably would because I knew that I had potential customers already following me yeah but yeah probably around 50 grand but I didn't like have a budget back then I was just kind of buying things with the money that I'd saved to get everything in place yeah Yeah. and what I'll add on as well like starting our own business too is just remember that everything always is more expensive than what you what you think it will be oh it's Um, so expensive to start a business and you'll get one quote and then I'll be like oh okay cool can we do it have it by this date Oh, if you want to buy that date, it's going to be an extra blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So it's this much. Yep. Then you get the invoice. Oh, that wasn't including GST. Okay. Yes. So- yes. <laughs> oh, that was in USD, not oh, AED. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, all right. So shipping's actually going to cost this much. Like, yeah, there's so many different things. So I think a lot of the stuff you do learn on the job. 100%. Um, yeah, and you learn, like, what costs uh, are involved. But I think make sure that you have a buffer. Yes. Of- of money as well like if you have a projection of how much you think that you'll have to spend to start your business also have a buffer on top of Mm. that and give yourself the time to like plan it as well like Mm. then think you've got to jump straight into it which is kind of a nice thing like you can spend the time like you did saving the money Mm -hmm. and while while you're in that savings period like planning it all Mm -hmm. and mapping all of that fun stuff out because that's half the fun I don't know about. I feel like the thing as well is with a lot of people that are entrepreneurial, they do have that urgency about them yeah. to like, I want to launch it now. Like, yeah. Whereas like starting a business does take a lot of time. There's so many elements to it. Yeah, So absolutely. if you can take the time, then by all means do that. Definitely. Whereas like I know a lot of people that are in business, like if I think of an idea today, I'm doing it tomorrow. Yeah, that's me. And <laughs> so I was like, please. But last year we were like finishing up a really big project. I was like, let's launch planners. And so I was like, it's October. Yeah. And I was like, no, we can do it. And she was like, I'm going to kill you. That's me. We aged 40 years. We we lost half our hair. But (laughs) But we did it. I definitely (laughs) think that is a very valid piece of advice. Yes. Yeah. You (laughs) don't. Take your time if you have it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. (laughs) But 20% of small businesses don't make it beyond the first year, unfortunately. And an additional 30% don't make it past five years. What do you need in place in the early stages of your business to ensure its success? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) These questions are like half an hour answers for me. (laughs) This is the extended episode. This is like a whole season. (laughs) Ten parts. Three broke chicks starting our first business. (laughs) 
I would say if you can, when starting your first business, if you can have another stream of income, that's really going to help you. Um, I know a lot of people would probably have the dream of quitting their job to start their business. And I think a lot of people maybe do that because they're so passionate and this is their dream and they're going to make it happen. Um, And maybe they get a year into it and they're like, shit, this is hard. This is expensive. And maybe that's why we see businesses fall down. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be, if you're starting a business, if you can make the business your side hustle and keep something else that's going to keep you financially secure and safe. Because I'd say most of the time when businesses do go down in the first 12 months or the first 24 months, it's because of money. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like it's because they're not making enough sales or their costs are far bigger than the sales that they've got coming in. So I'd say if you can have another bit of money coming in to keep you going, then it'll give you more time to grow the business. And that's where I was lucky because I was obviously an influencer. (laughs) Um, You know, I was influencing as my full-time job and doing fate, like not on on the side. Like essentially Mm. it was this small thing to begin with. Like I could be an influencer and make my YouTube videos and then go downstairs to pack those orders and answer the emails and stuff. And I held on to that influencing job for a really long time. Like I gave up influencing like a year and a half ago. I like stopped working with brands altogether. Wow. Um, and even then, like I didn't have to give it up, but like yeah. it ran its course. Yeah. I've done like one sponsorship since then for Coke Zero because I was like, I can't oh, say no. Yeah. <laughs> the dream. Yeah. Hey, can we have that contact, please, babe? <laughs> Honestly, if there are two people that deserve it the most. We yeah. give them free promo every fucking episode. Oh, that's episode. me with the pink bees. Like I drink <laughs> them every day on my bloody story. But, yeah, that would be my first. I saw you drinking that the other day. Oh, I was like, what is that? Oh, they're so good. You need to try it. Okay, I'll give it a red hot go. Um, but, yeah, I would say having another income source will definitely help you um, because then you can, yeah, just rely on that to get you by in life and grow the business. What other things do you need to ensure a business doesn't fail in the first two years? I mean, everything. Mm. (laughs) Where do I even begin? Like a strong product, a strong brand, something that you can see lasting and not being a gimmick, I guess. Mm. Uh, It depends, again, what you're doing a strong mm. social media presence, like growing socials. Do you think every, brand, every product, sorry, needs to solve a problem? Uh, I know. Yeah, I would say yeah. Mm. Like what product out there doesn't solve a problem when you look at it? Like I feel like there's almost no matter what it is that you're making, it can solve someone's problem. Yeah. It yeah. might be more niche of a problem or it might be a more niche market that you're solving a problem for, but I'd say it definitely helps to have a product that you can say, hey, do you struggle with this? Well, Mm. here's my product. But I feel like most things solve problems. Like can you name any product that you've bought recently that hasn't solved a problem for you? Mm. Probably not. We were just talking about eyebrows before. I did buy a cherry toilet brush though. And but I'd, that's scraping the poo out of your toilet. I know, but I already, <laughs> had, I already had a toilet brush, but I was like, but, I need. But it's also making it look cute. Yeah, yeah. When like that was nest, the problem. Normally toilet brushes look ugly. True. And like eyebrow thing, like you, we are talking about eyebrows before, like mm. you're buying an eyebrow product because your hairs always fall down. Like every single product out there is solving someone's problem. Mm. Um like I don't think there's anything I can think of that doesn't solve yeah. a problem. I'm looking around the room, like You're all like, these things. On. Like this Show lounge I'm sitting on provides comfort because yeah. who wants an uncomfy lounge? Mm. So I'd say, yeah, it is important to have a product that does solve a problem. 
But in saying that, you can find a problem for every product, I think. I was going to say, you just, you can also make, make products. Make the problem. That, yeah. Yeah. Point out, problems. That, yeah. Like you point out problems that people don't realise they have. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Making people aware of their problems. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. There's <laughs> your marketing done. Yeah. yeah. That's advertising 101. But yeah, there's, there's so many, like to answer that question, there's so many things that um, you could have in place to ensure a business doesn't go under. But I feel like that's a whole episode in itself. Mm, We're yeah. going to have to come back for a bonus episode. Yeah. Done. What are some of the unseen costs that people probably wouldn't think of when they're starting a business? All of it. Some of the things <laughs> that you learnt the hard way that you're like, fuck, I didn't realise I'd have to pay for that. I would say one would be all the extra costs that come with having staff. Mm-hmm. And the more staff that you get, how much more expensive that becomes outside of their wages. Superannuation is a huge one. Mm. I remember when I used to work full time and get my pay slip every week and I'd look at it and it'd be like the pay and then super, another hundred and something bucks. I'm like, hey, cool. Like I thought nothing of it. Yeah. Um, but then when you become someone's boss, it's like you've got to pay this person this much. Oh, and this much more of their pay. Yeah. Mm. And like I love that we live in a country that we have something like super, like it's great, thanks, John Howard. Um, <laughs> but just I guess when you're starting a business, you never think of having to pay that extra, what is it now, like 11%. 11%. It used to be like 9.5 yeah. or something. Yeah. Like that's just I guess something that I never took into account was that like I'd be paying an extra 11% on top of. Which is a lot. Yes, yeah. and then when you've got 50-something employees, like paying that on top of that is a lot. Um, so I guess that's one thing that I never thought of when I first hired my first employee and learnt along the way. Other costs, tax in general, your BAS bill every quarter. What's a BAS bill? It's like, yeah, so you get a, a BAS bill once every three months for each quarter mm-hmm. and then also you get one big tax bill a year for like yep. the end of financial year. And I'm not good with numbers or anything like that. I don't really fucking get how tax works. I actually hate it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure BAS is for that quarter, like what you've earned plus what's gone out and then your staff's wages and like the tax on their wages, like it's everything and it's like here's your bill. Yeah. Pay it. So I reckon most of the chicks would not have heard that term before. Yeah. I still don't. Don't take my word for it because my partner AJ does all of that for us with our accountant. Amazing. But it's just once every three months we get this whopping bill that's based on, yeah, everything that we've earned and spent um, and it sucks. <laughs> and then, yeah, also once a year. So there's like four big bills of the year from the government, mm. four, four basses and your end of financial year tax bill on the whole year. And that's another thing that takes a lot of getting used to as well. Um, you know, you go from earning your weekly pay slip or fortnightly, however you get paid monthly, even for some people, which I don't know how people do that. That's really hard. Oh, we used wild. to get paid monthly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the last week of the month I was like, <gasps> yeah. I also get it though, um, the more we grow as a company, like AJ does our pays, who's my partner, and he does them like once a week and he's like, I kind of get it now why people do it every fortnight or every month because it's a big job. Yeah. And so doing it, it every, yeah, doing yeah. it. So I think that's why companies do it. I don't know. So, you know, you get your pay every week, your tax is already done for you, like you yeah. see that amount there and you think, oh, I'll try and get most of that back at tax time. Like when you're a business owner, the money doesn't automatically come out for you, you know, so mm. just say like you launch a product and you make $5,000 in sales, you get $5,000 straight into your bank account, obviously minus any merchant fees that got taken out of it. And then it's 
getting to into a routine of realizing that five thousand dollars isn't yours. Yeah, yeah, and that like you can't 30, just go spend it. No, like thirty percent is probably going to go to tax and like this, that, and the other, and your bills and whatever. So it's just like learning to hang on to money as well. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people in business probably start a business and just say they have a lot of success from the beginning. They might then go silly with that money and then they'll get stung at tax time and then have a bill and not have the money to pay for it. And then I think the one unseen cost that we didn't think of was the shipping Mm -hmm. in terms of like getting your stock to you. The, The actual what you're putting your product in. Oh, yeah. Like getting your shipping parcels, what does that look like? Like obviously if you're at a smaller scale, you can kind of just do the Post packaging thing, mm-hmm. but you will get to – that's one, expensive. Oh, Like yeah. their postage is expensive. Like everything is expensive. Like the labels that you stick on the bags, yeah. the bags themselves, working out how much it is going to cost to send to your customers, how much are you going to charge your customers for shipping or are you going to absorb that cost yourself as a business? And then if you're importing goods from overseas, like paying that shipping for it to come over on a um, a plane or on a ship and then getting charged at customs for import tax, like there's so many costs involved. Mm. Like it's endless. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to scare you out of starting a yeah, business everyone but at the we end also want to make it realistic yeah like because you can go into it and we did quite naive to the cost of how much things would be because it also brings us into the conversation of pricing Mm -hmm. because you want to set a price that you know reflects the value of your product reflects the time and the idea and all of that but then it's like where do you understand what the price point of a product will be when you also take into factor the other costs because you don't realise that these things are so expensive like the cost of, you know, shipping and labels and all that other stuff mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, how do you figure out your price point and how much you want to charge for a product when you're starting a business? So, I mean, the more you can mark something up, the better. <laughs> like, <laughs> but there's so many factors to consider and that's something that I didn't do um, from the beginning with fate. Mm. Like I had the mindset of, okay, if a top is costing me $20 to make and I sell it for 40 like, I've doubled my money. <laughs> like, that was my girl math in my yeah, head. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people that start out, they think just as long as I sell it for more than it costs me, then I'll be fine Like, because I'm making a bit of money on top. But there is so many other things that you do have to factor in. It's also dependent on your market as well and your competitors. Mm. You don't want to... Just say, I don't know, what's an example? If you're making a eyebrow lamination thing, like a, mm-hmm. what's it called? Like brow gel or whatever. Brow gel. Like you're going to look at what everyone else in your industry is charging and you're obviously not going to want to come in well above them. You don't want to come in well below them. So you also kind of want to sit yourself in your market around the same area as people that you would consider competitors. Not that I like to use that word, but, you know, people that are in your industry. Mm-hmm. Um People have like certain calculations that they like to um, make up when it comes to marking up a product. I'm sure every business and brand is different. Like obviously it depends what you're making as well. Um, There are so many things that you can make that are really cheap that you can like get a good profit margin out of. Um, Like if you're making probably an eyebrow thing, I keep going back to that. (laughs) Like I'm sure they are costing a few bucks to make um, and you'll probably be able to get a good profit margin there. 
Um, whereas some things are much more expensive. Um, and one thing with fate and our clothes is they are not cheap to make whatsoever. Mm. Um, and there's so many items that I've made with fate that we never end up going through production with because the cost is too high for me to make that if I was to mark it up, it'd be way too expensive for our customers. Mm. There's so many, like, especially, um, like coats and winter things because they're so heavy and there's so much structure to them, so much fabric. Like there's so many, especially winter things that I've made. And I'm like, I can't make this because my customers aren't going to like the price point that I'd have to sell it at. So Mm. I miss out a lot of the time. Um, because I don't want to be a brand that's selling something that's like ridiculously priced, even though that's what it's very w- well worth, worth based yeah. on how much it costs me and all of our overheads. Um, but it's just working out um, a price that works for you where you are making profit, but it's at the price range you want to be in, what you think your customers will be happy to pay, and then using your marketing to market the reason for that price to your customers, whether it is something a bit more premium and expensive, then make the product seem that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my advice on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. So you touched on, I guess, your inspiration for starting Fate. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, a number of reasons why it is incredibly successful. But I think one of the key things is the inclusivity mm-hmm. of the sizing, which is incredible. How did you go about conducting market research mm-hmm. and like solving the problem? Kind well, of like what we were saying before. Yeah, well, As mentioned, like fate when it started was just this idea that I thought would be fun, (laughs) which I hate. Next minute, you've got what three stores, four Four. stores? Yeah, Yeah. but I never thought back then that I would one recently. Yeah, four stores now. Like I never thought I'd open stores when I started fate. Like this was in my shed. (laughs) I was in my Kmart pajamas. You know, I love that. Um, So when we launched fate, we just had yes standard sizing six to fourteen. I think it would be pretty near impossible for anyone to start a business these days, a fashion brand, and be able to have a full inclusive size range. And even then, like, we don't market ourselves to be an inclusive brand because we go to a 26. There's definitely sizes beyond. We mm-hmm. start at a 6. There's sizes below that. And inclusivity goes well beyond sizing as well. Like, mm. it, there's so many sides to inclusivity. So we don't even say we're an inclusive brand, but we say we have sizes 6 to 26 because we do. Yeah. Um, I like that. And when I first started Fate, this was like six years ago now, um, the fashion landscape was definitely a lot different back then to what it is now. It was pretty standard for brands to just go to a 12 or a 14 back then. But pretty quickly I learned that I wanted to add more sizes and obviously with adding more sizes you're looking at more money. Like it, it costs more and more the more you add. So I very quickly introduced a size 16 and 18 and then I picked up on the fact that they were selling Then we added a 20 and we've just gone up one size by one after then. It wasn't necessarily us like conducting any market research, but more so just like obviously listening to our community, which is great market research that we have social media for people to say, hey, like I'd love to buy this, but I'm a size 22. Yeah. So it was just this gradual progression of us testing our own community by adding more sizes. And that's what has gotten um, us to where we are today, like going to a 26. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is, you know, when I talk to people and they talk about our sizing and how great it is and how like a lot of other brands don't do it, it's funny because we've been doing the size range that we have now for quite a long time to the point where it's normal to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
because I don't go out shopping in other stores. Like I've got all the clothes I could ever need. Like every now and then I might buy something random on the iconic that I see like, you know, online shopping, but I don't go into other stores or anything. So I kind of get in my own little bubble in Newcastle and my fate bubble and we have up to a size 26 and I go into our stores and there's girls of all different shapes and sizes in the store and that's normal to me, like in my brain. I can't comprehend any brand not being that way. Yeah. Mm. Because that's my reality. That's my everyday normal is going into my store and seeing one girl in the change room size six and then we've got a 24 walking around the store with her hands full of clothes. Like that's normal to me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like I have no – like it's just a no-brainer to have more sizes available. Like we are living proof that people want to buy clothes. Yeah. And I think any brand – Obviously, if they're a small brand, sure. I'm never going to look at a small startup brand and expect them to have all the sizes that we do because it's just not feasible unless you've got a shit ton of money, like if you're rich or whatever. Yeah. Um, but for big brands out there that don't do beyond like a size 12 or a 14, and if they're a big established brand with retail stores or a huge online store, if they're not doing extended sizes – that is purely just them not wanting to do extended sizes. Mm. There's no, there's no other reason why they can't do it. Like if I can do it on my own, the only reason why they aren't is because they literally don't want to. Yeah, and I know that sometimes some brands have commented on that being like, oh, the demand just isn't there. It is. It is yeah. there. Walk into any of our fate stores and you'll see people all different shapes and sizes. Walk around your local Westfield and look at everyone's body shapes. Everyone is so different. Yeah. The customers are there. Mm. That's just an excuse, them saying the demand isn't there or the costs are too high. If I can do it by myself and these brands that have been around forever say that they can't or it's too costly or the demand isn't there, they literally just don't want curvier people wearing their clothes. That's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think but bringing it back to your original point of like looking at your customers mm-hmm. is a really good tip to not ignore your own insights and oh, your own data. We use it for everything. Be the we biggest ask. data nerd mm. in the world. And people love giving their opinion. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing as well. Like at any opportunity on my Instagram stories, I'm asking questions, I'm doing polls, I'm getting feedback. Yeah. Like it's free market research to have your own community on social media and people love putting their two cents in, giving feedback, feeling like they're part of something. Yeah. So like utilise that as much as you can. Mm. Even if your community's small, like having 10 people's opinion is better than none. Yeah. yeah. Even if your customer base is 10 people. Yes. Getting those 10 Ask people's Ask those 10 opinion. people yeah. for feedback or what they're looking for because you never know. Yeah. And then... If you get like take on that feedback, the chances are those ten people are going to repurchase again. Yes, and they're going to tell their friends about it, oh, and that's mm. going to turn into twenty people. Exactly right. And it's just yeah, I love that tip. Mm. I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> I love a sexy data spreadsheet. I'm like, all right, what was the top performing content of last year? La, 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 la. Let's do it again. Yeah, I'm like, and let's recycle one more time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let's tweak it, add some GST, and go again. <laughs> it's giving the chicks what they want. Yeah. So we've spoken about some of the lessons you've learned that have really paid off launching Fate, but what have been some of the mistakes that you've made that cost you the most money while running Fate? Mistake or mistakes, not to assume you've got multiple. <laughs> yeah, we're sure you're perfect. Yeah, how many fuck-ups have, have no you had? Mistakes. <laughs> you're perfect. I mean, in business I don't really see anything as a mistake. We've never done anything huge that has been 
detrimental to the business. Like mm-hmm. I've been lucky in that instance where all the decisions that I have made have been good ones. Oh and God, even slay. Yeah. <laughs> like, go you. We're lucky in that sense. I guess on the smaller-ish scale, it would be me stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit or making something that I would think that our customers want when they don't. And then it's just a slower seller. Mm. But even then, like, I don't see that as a mistake. Um, I just see it as, all right, our customers don't like that certain type of dress. Let's not do something like that again. And let's just do our best to try and sell this dress, even though like it's not selling as well as I'd hoped. Another one I would say, um, which is probably the biggest lesson that I've ever learned in business. And it's, I feel like it's a lesson that you can only learn with experience. It's the importance of spending the time to find the right people to work for your company when you're hiring. It Hiring the wrong person is the most costly mistake you can ever make. And even then, I hate using the word mistake because it's mm, not a mistake. It's a learning. It's a, learning. It's a lesson. Yeah. Like, and you can't do business without learning these lessons. But obviously when my business was really small and it was just myself and AJ, I like my first employee was one of his f- um, family friend's daughters. Um, like I went into it having no idea like how to be a boss, how to properly hire someone, how mm. to do an onboarding. Like you don't know any of that. Did you do any like courses or no. anything? Like I was just <laughs> fucking winging this shit <laughs> and saying, yeah, I'll hire your family friend. That. Come on in. Here you go. Like, <laughs> yeah. But that's like everyone's journey like. And the thing is when you start a business, you yourself don't take it seriously enough to understand that you need to find other people that take it seriously enough because to you it's just this fun little project in your garage. Like, (laughs) sure, I'll hire all my friends and family and friends of friends. Um, But hiring the wrong person is not only expensive money-wise but also time-wise. So I guess I I don't even want to say if I could go back again, I wish I knew to hire the right people because that's just a part of the business and Mm. learning. But one thing that's so important to me now is when I am hiring for a new role, it's spending the time and money to find the right person so that it doesn't become an expense down the track to invest all this time, energy, effort into hiring someone to only have them leave. And then it's the, the cost of then doing it all again. Yeah. Um, and the mental cost of hiring the wrong person. Yeah, and training. And your time and training. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'd say that's the other mistake in like little quotation marks that I've made is not realising the importance of hiring the right person for the role. Mm. Mm. We always say that like a mistake made once is a learning, a mistake made twice is like a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's like as long as you're learning from your mistakes and oh. making an active decision and yeah. choice to like not make them again. Yeah, you learn then like every single you're time. All good. Yeah. And like just taking the accountability for that, being like, oh, I, I probably should have yeah, yeah. Yeah. done that differently. Yeah, being like, oopsie. Absolutely. That one was me. I got it. I'll fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, especially just, I think that in any situation, like whether it's working, whether it's friends, whether it's blah, 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 blah. I don't think people want you on your knees groveling, being like, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm so mm, sorry. Yeah. People just appreciate it. That was me. My bad. Probably should have done it. that this is what This is how I think we can do it better in the future. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. And it's hot. Smash. <laughs> but yeah. don't do that to your employees. <laughs> don't smash your employees. That's, that's a lawsuit. Yeah. Baby girl. Waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But. On what you're just saying, we did have a follow-up question, which is a great segue, <laughs> but how do you make the decision to hire and expand when you're looking at, you know, the cost it is to hire someone? Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to be looking at 
that that's kind of where you need it in the business. Mm -hmm. That's doing well in the business or you need more support there. So what kind of helps you make the decision to make that hire Mm -hmm. that you need an employee? Usually I think any, like, again, I speak from a lot of experience. So as a business owner, I can tell when an area of my business needs a new employee. I'll literally mm-hmm. walk in and go, we need to hire someone else to help you. Like, mm-hmm. I can just sense it. I can see it. You can Is see it. Is it like the tension slack? Yeah. Or like, like there might be a lot of stress or someone's, like, <laughs> yeah. overwhelmed, like, or you might sense that um, you want that certain area of your business to improve or, like, grow more. For example, if we want to up our social media mm. videos this year, let's get another girl on the socials team. If the warehouse is under the pump with orders, let's hire another person to help slow this down kind of thing so everyone's not freaking out. So it's being able to identify when the business needs it. And you can always tell, like even if you're new, if you're working yourself and doing all of it yourself. When I first started Fate, I was doing all of it. I was doing the Shopify. I was doing the e-commerce photography, product descriptions. I was shipping the parcels. I was doing the customer service emails. I was receiving the returns and processing those. I was running our socials. I was posting the content, stories, all of it. So it got to a certain point where I was like, I need someone else to help me with this. You can Mm. always sense when there's that help needed. And I think if you think about it more than a few times, then you know that that's the right time. And I know that hiring someone can be scary. I remember hiring my first employee, like my boyfriend's mom's friend's daughter. Sister's cousin's daughter, <laughs> yeah. twice removed. <laughs> yes. And thinking, oh my God, how am I going to have enough money to pay this person? Like, what if we don't do enough sales one week and I can't afford to pay her? But I guess it's just a risk that you have to take. And business is one massive risk every single day. It's just mm-hmm. like a gamble, basically. Um, but it's taking that risk and understanding that every employee is an investment for your mm. company. It's then allowing them to take over all those things that you're going to let go of so that you can better spend your time doing something that's going to further the business. Mm. Did you ever find it difficult to let go of some of those things? Definitely. And there was a lot that I held on to for way too long, like for years. Like there was a lot of things. Like I've gotten really good at letting go of stuff now, Mm. but if I could do my time over again, I would have let go of stuff sooner. Not because like I didn't want someone else to do that because that's my thing but just because like when you let go of those tasks even though you love them you've then freed up your time Mm. so then what can you do with your time that you now have that's going to make the business grow in a forwards direction because if you just keep doing those tasks even if you love them is that your time best spent as the owner of the Mm. company probably not the owner of the company needs to do the things that's going to push the business forward do you think there's like a teething period to give like you've said, maybe hiring the wrong person in the past. How long do you think is a good time period to, you know, see whether that is the right or the wrong fit? Because obviously it takes time to kind of step into a role and oh, yeah. mm, get um, into it. I would say if anything, like in my early days, I had no idea how to even interview someone properly because um, I was young and an idiot. Like if I got along <laughs> with them, if I got along with them and we were laughing, I'm like, perfect, you're hired. Oh, like yeah. there was no real thought that went into can this person actually do the job? Like yeah. are they going to be any good or are they just funny? Um, <laughs> so yeah. fitting how the vibe check an, is one how thing. I've gotten every job yeah. in my life. Yeah, I'm like, seriously. Tiki, I made you laugh, give me the gig. Yeah, the seriously. personality hire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like you can even avoid hiring the wrong person just by how thorough your interview process is. Mm. But obviously if you're a tiny little business and you're hiring your first few employees, you're not going to have a fully structured 
hiring and onboarding process like we have now. Now it's like Australian Idol. You've got three full <laughs> rounds. You've got like this, that and the other. Marsha Hines is yeah. like the final Where's round. Dicko? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do a performance in front of Dicko and Marsha at the end and then you get the job. And if you get a touchdown by Mar- from Mark, you're yeah. through. Yeah. You're hired on the first day. Yeah. You're yeah. promoted on the first day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we could go in depth with our hiring process, but that's another episode. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, a great piece of advice, though. Like, even though they might pass the vibe check, Taking your employees your time don't to need to be your besties. Them. No. Oh, God, the opposite. Yeah. And I guess, again, when I was young and started Fate, it was all about, like, I was friends with all the girls that I had working for me in those early days. And, like, mm. it never, again, because you're not taking your business seriously enough, neither are they. And it's too personal and friendshipy. Like yeah. it's a fine line. It's good at the start. Like Leads and everyone boundaries. probably does does it that way. But like if you want to take your business seriously and grow it into something massive, you need people on your team that are serious about that mm. and not serious about being your friend and hanging out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting, the whole hiring side and staffing of a business. Yeah, it's tricky for sure. But Fate social media presence has always been super strong. But I feel like in the last year it's really taken off and we've even seen it, like, influence some other small business trends, mm-hmm. which is really cool. What tips do you have for small businesses who are building, like, a social media presence? Uh, obviously keep up with the trends and see what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, get inspiration from everywhere. Uh, but also... Find, like, especially if you are the face of the business, um, find your thing that you're really good at um, and hone in on that and take advantage of that. Mm. My thing that I'm obviously really good at is being funny and engaging and being an idiot. So (laughs) So it's true. You think you're really funny. (laughs) So that's obviously. No, you are really fucking funny. (laughs) that's, That's my thing that I take advantage of is that I'm good at talking on camera and I can be animated and energetic and ride around on a scooter like an idiot yeah (laughs) yeah so that's my thing that I know that I'm good at doing on camera so that's why I do that so much Mm. um other people may have strengths in other areas they might be great at storytelling they might be really good at um being informative and teaching people things like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They like might lean into your skill. Lean into your skill. Like you might be really crafty and handy. You might like have doing DIYs yeah, and all Yeah, you might stuff. have a um, random hobby that you're really good at, like make videos about that. It's all about finding your thing and taking advantage of that and, of course, like seeing what everyone else is doing, jumping on those trends that you see everyone doing mm. and then adding your own flair to all of those trends and showing who you are, who your brand is and why people should buy from you essentially. Mm. Do you know who's really good at like showing empathy is like Steph and Laura mm-hmm. with oh, Kick. Yeah, like they're totally. really funny but the one thing that I always think about theirs is like the way that they communicate is so empathetic and so comfortable to their like customer yes. that it's like yeah like you and they realize that's their thing that yeah. they're good at doing their audience resonates with so they keep doing that it's definitely more about that finding your thing that you're good at your strengths rather than trying it all and trying everything that everyone's doing and it not coming across genuine or being too much of a mixed bag of lollies yeah, yeah. that's when it gets confusing yeah for like your customers but we feel like we only ever see positive things about fate, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But do you ever get negative reviews or comments? And like, how do you deal with that if you do? 
Yeah, we're pretty lucky in a sense that we do have such an awesome community. I always say, especially when we're opening a new retail store and we're doing like the induction training for our new teams, I always say our customers are like no other customers because they're obviously all coming from retail jobs already. They've probably worked with nightmare customers before that have just been crazy Mm. or horrible or whatever and our community within fate is like no other and it's really special because I think especially because we have retail stores that the whole store is from a size 6 to 26, we've got so many customers that are just genuinely happy to be able to come in store and shop. Mm -hmm. Um, So then you're going to get a lot more positive of an experience with our customers. Well, I think so anyway. Um, But we definitely do receive um, bad feedback. One of the jobs that I gave up in my business quite a while ago now is the customer service. Yep. (laughs) Um, That would be my number one give away to anyone that you can as soon as you can when you're in your business journey. When it started, I obviously did it all and I was so heavily involved for those first couple of years. Um, But it's a lot more for me to read out emails than it is for whoever is doing our customer service, you know, because Mm. that is my business, that is my baby, that is my product. And you're the face of the brand as well. And I would say that me being the business, uh, the face of the business is like obviously one of the best things ever, obviously. (laughs) It's done a lot for the brand. Totally. But it also comes with its downfalls. And I would say one of those downfalls is our customers holding me to a really high standard Mm. that obviously I've painted my brand in such a positive light on social media and like I mean everything that I say about our brand. But then, for example, if they go into our stores and they their expectations aren't met, it falls back on me. Mm. And it's, I went into your store and your girls didn't talk to me or, you know, yeah. like I didn't get the service that I thought I wanted. And it's really hard for me to understand that, I can't be there to serve every single customer. Yeah. We can do all the training in the world with our teams and they're amazing, but they're still going to have their moments. Mm. They're going to have their days where they slip up, where they maybe weren't as friendly to a customer as we would hope they would, or they're just going to be too caught up in a task that, you know, they just say hi to a customer and it's like not what the customer expected. Mm. But I think because I have that personal connection to fate, people do really put us on a pedestal and they definitely do let us know if they go into, it's especially with our stores because that's yeah. like a physical element of our business. We also receive like feedback on our products online, but it's more so the feedback that we get is from our retail stores and the good reviews versus the bad, it's like a million to one. Mm, yeah. Um, but it does suck to. But sometimes that one oh, will just ruin your day. Same, yeah. Oh, absolutely! Like you yeah. get like ninety nine percent of people being like, "This Thank is you amazing. so much. I love it." Like yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then you just like open one, and your tummy just like drops, and you're like, "I know it does mm. suck." Yeah, and that was something that I stayed heavily involved in for a really long time. Is like trying to rectify those situations or helping out with the emails if someone was coming to us with like Mm. concerns or aggression or if they were upset about something. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I don't get involved in anymore just because... It's too emotional. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's too yeah. emotional. Because we were going to ask, like, how do you tell the difference between, like, a negative comment and someone who's just a bit grumpy mm. versus 
constructive criticism. You can easily tell by the way someone's just said they've emailed. Yeah. You can tell if it's coming from a place of aggression or even if, like, I know people say that the customer's always right, but I feel like that's a really old school saying. Like mm. fully. Your customer, yeah, is always right. You want to help them out and even if they've had a bad experience, you want to make it better. But also customers can be having a shit day and take it out on a business. Yeah. They can have had the worst day ever and just say they've walked into our store and they haven't had the best experience. They can then go home and go, oh, I just had the worst experience ever of my life. Like there's so many factors to consider. But when people do reach out to us to give negative feedback, like it's always easy to tell if they're coming from an angle of fuck you or an <laughs> angle of, hey, like I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. And people will literally email being like, hey, like I just want to let you know, like I've shopped with you online for years or whatever and I've just gone into your store today and I haven't had the best experience. X, Y, Z here mm. is what's happened. And then we go the extra mile to turn that around for the yeah. customer. We will say we are going to organise for you to come back in, like we will have the manager meeting you, like we want to turn that around. But if someone's, you know, obviously coming at us with just full girl. Yeah, yeah, like then maybe we won't like always go. The, yeah, yeah, like it, there's just so much to consider, um, especially when it comes to owning physical retail stores. Like mm. you're always going to take the customer's word for it, but you're also going to be mindful that, my employees are not me. Like yeah. th they're never going to be able to be me that I am on social media. In fact, who I am on social media actually has nothing to do with my employees. Like that is yeah. not. But I think people think it is. Yeah. And like I wish that I could be there every day to serve every single customer in our stores. But then again, I think I've probably served customers in our stores sometimes and I've probably not lived up to their expectations mm. because maybe I've had a massive day mm. or had the worst period pains in the world or maybe I'd met 100 people and I was fucking buggered. Yeah, like, you're only no, human as well. No one is ever going to be perfect in any business yeah and you're gonna get bad feedback but it's just how you try and turn that into a positive I guess that matters the most yeah yeah I think as well on the flip side of that is sometimes people don't remember that when they're talking to like a brand or a company or a business that they are talking to like a singular person oh that's like after doing this whole process of you know starting our little cute little side hustle I was like I'm never gonna complain when a product is late I, know, I was like, yeah. I'm never, ever yeah. going to whinge about anything yeah. ever again. It really opens like, your eyes. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, you know what, you guys do what you need to do, so fine. Yeah. I'm here. I don't need my package for like another week. We're all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some people, I guess, just love to complain. Like there yeah. are some yeah. people that are serial complainers and yeah. love going out of their way to tell a company their shit and they'll never mm. shop there again. And you're like, okay. or, But they'll probably go to Macca's 100 times and the ice cream machine's broken and yeah. you're going back there. But then if it's me and their parcel was delayed and they get didn't get to wear the dress, to the event, oh, I'm never shopping with you again. Yeah. yeah. And I but think you can never make everyone happy. I ever. think one of the things I've learned is just like not holding on to like the apology. Just like give it. Just be like, we're so sorry for this inconvenience. Like yeah. even though you're like kill them with we kindness. We didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Like we had a feedback from one customer that we had pre-order all over the site. Oh, yep. It was in the title. It was at the checkout. It was everywhere. Yeah. And then this person accidentally missed that it was a pre-order they've got it now but um we were not very girls girl oh, that was the feedback and I was yeah. like what does that have to do with anything yeah. I was like don't whip that out this yeah. isn't that's not necessary so blow. come on here actually my best friends think like, yeah. I was like oh you know what it's not necessary and like the response was just, just like I was go. like I'm so sorry for your frustration like yeah please let us know how we can mm. help 
in this. And that's the thing as well. Like when you are contacting a company for whatever reason it may be and if you're giving feedback that isn't the best, if you want to Mm. tell them about something you're unhappy with, if you come at that company or brand with full aggression, like obviously you're still going to be helped. But if you come with genuine concern, be like, hey, like I'm so sorry about this but X, Y, Z, here's my problem. Mm. If you come to us and you're super nice, like we're going to go above and beyond to make Bully. that negative experience turn positive. Yeah. Um. So that's something that I'm always mindful of as well. Like when contacting any company, yeah. you are talking to a real person. Like it's not some, I mean, sometimes it might be an AI robot. And you can always tell. That's when I get violent because you go in a circle. It's like, talk to a real person. And it's like, yeah. yeah. I keep talking, talk you to a real person. You just go talk to a person and he goes, finding one for you. And I'm like, thank, thank you. you. It's like, here's our FAQ. And I'm like, I don't want the fucking FAQ. Put me onto a real person. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, Brittany, you've dropped a lot of gems of wisdom on the pod today. But to wrap up, what has been your biggest life lesson? in your journey so far? Hmm. Maybe there's a lot. (laughs) But maybe that in business nothing is personal. Yeah. Nothing. From an employer standpoint, from an employee standpoint, I mean within reason people can get personal within business. Yeah. But for the most part, like nothing is personal and everything is just business. Yeah. Like and that's just business. Yeah, within reason. I feel like I've got yeah, to add that little disclaimer. Of course, so there's a little asterisk. Yes. If someone's coming part. at you and making insults at you about who you are as a person, 100%. then that is personal. But I would say, like in in business, like nothing is ever personal. Like we just spoke about mm. customers coming at you if they're angry or whatever. It's not personal. That is just business. I think that's a good thing to remind yourself of if you're ever dealing with something difficult in your business journey. Like if someone's coming at you and you're like, oh, and like taking it personally, like yeah. it's not personal at all. It's just business yeah, and, and it can feel personal and we are personal human beings yeah. with a lot of feelings but business is just business. Mm, I think learning that early on will help a lot of people. Absolutely. And it's a hard one to learn as well. You're not going to be like, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, no, chill doesn't affect me anymore. Yeah. Business is just business. Business is just business, babe. And you've just got like the most like scathing mean email being like, (laughs) I hate your product and shit. And you're like, oh, it's business. No. But you just something to remind yourself. Yeah, but you will. The more that you remind yourself, you will get that. And same Mm -hmm. from like an employee standpoint as well. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, why is my boss telling me that? Or why did my manager say that in our one-on-one? And like if you get constructive feedback. It's so easy to be mm. like, oh my god, she is being mean to me, and yeah. like, but that's just your manager or your boss trying to run their business and like, you know, help you in whatever area you're lacking in for the business. Yeah, mm. it is all business, baby. It's all business, it's, baby. It's all business, baby. I like it. Yeah, me too. So, where can the chicks find you and learn more about you and fate as well? You can just search my name, which is Brittany <laughs> Saunders, double T-N-E-Y, none of this A-N-Y. My name's always spelled wrong. Um, you can just search me up on Instagram, TikTok, even LinkedIn. Add me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't use that. Are you active on LinkedIn? I've got LinkedIn, yeah. I'm going to slide in. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those apps that I never use. I find it to be quite wanky. Like whenever I do do a post on there, like celebrating this launch, it just seems so like show pony. Yeah. It just like it, there's always some guy that's like, I started my business with a button and two minty wrappers. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, that's or LinkedIn. maybe it's the Mossman house that you grew up in. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe it was some inheritance. Yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah, that could be that. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. um, 
you can look us up online for Fate, Instagram, TikTok, fatethelabel.com, or if you're local to any of our four stores, you can find us. We have a boutique in Newcastle, which is where I'm from. We have a boutique in Hawthorne in Victoria in Melbourne, and then we have two uh, Westfield stores, Westfield Miranda in Sydney and Westfield Chermside in Brisbane. So Amazing. cool. Yeah. Bondi Junction one coming back. They actually yeah. rang me the other day. <gasps> But I'm kind of done with the Westfield. Sorry, Westfield. No, come on, please, for me. We, we just, <laughs> just opened, me. like, the fourth store that we opened was our Hawthorne Boutique and that's our, like, first boutique outside of Newcastle. Like, mm. we've had the Newcastle one for over four years. So I was, like, really scared opening a boutique store, like, on just a shopping street. Yeah. yeah. And it's smashing them all. So I oh, think there you go. if we do any more in the future, it's going to be boutique shopping because mm. – a quarter of the price of rent. You don't have sure. to do Westfield's hours. You don't Play have to by talk. people's rules. Yeah, you, don't, you set your own hours. You don't yeah. have to talk to Westfield. Mm-hmm. And, like, we don't need the Westfields. True. Mm, damn. Watch this space. Well. Yeah. It's just business, baby. Cries and tears for me. <laughs> I mean, we could open a boutique around. See? Bondi See? Junction. I like this. Now, now, we're, now we're cooking with gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That has no, been thanks so for having incredible. Me. Am I your first guest of the year? No. Oh, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. Sorry. But you've been we'll one just, of our best? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The best of the year. Yeah. <laughs> the best of the year. I'll take She's it. She's rebranded that. You, but that's you okay. heard it here first. <laughs> I'm the best guest that has ever been on Two Broke Chicks. It's true. It's over a guest is outside with a pitchfork. <laughs> being like, get that's Brittany. Get, get with an anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're so funny, you silly goose. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you, Chicks, for having us in your ear holes. We absolutely love to be here. We live it. And love it. thank you to MIK Made for making today's episode happen. We love Great. you too. Bye. Bye, chicks. Bye. Bye, Bruce. <laughs> Bye, Bruce.